my self-sacrifice was my identity because it was the only way I thought I my existence was valued in the world. I know that my value doesn't come from what I can do from others. My value doesn't come from my sacrifice. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent. This is where high achievers and leaders come to work healthier, not harder. Where hustle culture zigs, we zag. So you can thrive in your career, health, and relationships. My name is Carly Fane. I'm a celebrity business and boundary coach. And whether I'm working with Grammy award-winning artists, professional athletes, Fortune 50 CEOs, or just folks that enjoy both progress and the present moment, my intention is to make sure that you have both a doable plan and the roots to rise. Well, welcome back to Messy and Magnificent. It's your gal Carly over here. And hey, if you're joining us for the first time, I'm so glad that you're in this conversation with me today. This season, we're paving a roadmap to rest and regeneration for high achievers and folks with full plates that know a more sustainable way of living and working. It's what's being called for. Now, this is going to be a particularly candid episode. So why not just come in hot right out of the gate? And I got to tell you about a little practice a few of my closest people and I, we do together. It feels a little bit like a mini confessional moment where we admit to the not so enlightened thoughts that we have occasionally. And here's one of mine. I'm going to share this with you. It's not polished or perfect, and it is certainly not my most diplomatic story. But there's something in here that is particularly true. So recently, just a couple months ago, I was at a coffee shop with my girlfriend and we ran into some friends who we absolutely love and adore. But one of them is chronically, chronically exhausted. She makes choices to fill her plate at every waking moment. And I find particularly candid, you know, if you've heard me say before that I find selfless people exhausting to be around. The folks who give so much away that every time you see them, all they can talk about is how stressed out and overwhelmed they are. And it's not because of life circumstances that are happening to them. It's because of some of the choices they're making. And she mentioned to me something that I think we've all heard before. She said, oh, there's so much going on for me right now. There always is. I wish I just had a few more hours in the day, right? That's all I need. Now I'm in a moment of just wanting to sip my coffee and enjoy the day. I'm not going to get into an unsolicited coaching conversation. But I kept thinking, no, It's not about having more hours in the day, because if you had more hours in the day, my dear, you would find a way to fill them, right? It's not about having more hours in the day. It's about knowing that it's okay to be intentional with how you spend some of those hours. And I think about that a lot. Maybe you can think about a friend of yours who's always busy, or maybe some days this person's you, right? And we're squeezing everything you can possibly can into your calendar square, because when it's full you feel, well, what exactly? What is it that we feel when we see our calendar full? Sure, we might feel overwhelmed, but do we also feel important or productive or valued or effective? There's a lot there, right? And here's the thing. My clients who do well while having full lives, they begin a very simple practice. They start to discern the difference between good work and overworking. I want to say that again. This moment in time, 
is calling all of us who want to have intentional lives and careers and relationships to discern the difference between good work and overworking. This is a discernment we have not been taught how to do. We're figuring it out for ourselves in real time. Because in order to step outside of the busy box, we have to ask ourselves what's really necessary. I think about it like this sometimes. My grandma had a little bit of a QVC obsession (laughs) when the idea of shopping through the television came out. She was really pumped. She bought a lot of things and she would buy them because they were on sale. And she'd always say, this this is great. I got a bunch of sweaters because they were on sale. I got this nail kit because it was on sale. And my grandfather would often say, Teresa, it's only a sale if it's something that you need. And I think that productivity is similar in that way. Tending to any given task is only productive if it has an intentional purpose. If it's something that really, truly needs to get done, doing for the sake of doing, well, that keeps us ever busy, right? And yet feeling at the end of the day, like we still have tons more to do. And then, of course, it's Groundhog's Day all over again. We wake up the next morning and we begin the cycle. So what do we do about that? Well, You know I love stats and research and data. We have lots of that going on this season, but not today. Today, we're doing something equally as important. We're getting practical and tactical. I'm going to be sharing some of the hard-won wisdom that me and my clients have experienced firsthand as we make decisions on an ongoing basis to reclaim our time, our energy, and our joy. And speaking of joy... If you've been part of this messy, magnificent community for a while, then you know Anitza Martins. She is a glorious human that I am fortunate to have as a project manager for my company, Everybody Thrive. And like any great coworker, Anitza celebrates when I'm doing great and she gives me the nudges I need, the sharp elbow in the ribs sometimes when it's time for me to step up or in this case, open up about how we run our company. So this week, she asked if we could flip the script and put me in the guest seat on the show while she asks the questions that dig deeper into why we're doing this season of rest. Because Anitza knows that in a society where we've been conditioned to associate busyness with productivity, once in a while, we've got to step back and ask ourselves, so what's so scary about resting? Beyond having lots of responsibilities, why do high achievers know they need to rest but struggle to get it while some other people have figured it out? So in this episode, you're going to learn why good work depends on rest and how to recognize the difference between quality output and flat out overworking. If busyness and self-sacrifice are woven into the culture around you or even your own identity, and if doing it all makes you feel more valued in the world, but you know that's not sustainable, this is the episode for you. We're going to cover a few main things. First, Why building in time for rest is so essential to the creative process and problem solving. Number two, how to grade your own level of self-sacrifice. Three, learning to distinguish good work from overworking. I'm going to share how we actually do that. And then number four, what it really means when you feel like you don't have enough time. It's about more than just scheduling. And then number five, why doing more sometimes means doing less. And in case you've missed it, in case it's the first episode you're joining from this season, we have found here in 130-something episodes of Messy Magnificent that there's an approach that works really well. 
We've got to listen to the new information, but then we've got to integrate and take action on that. So I've given you two very specific tools that will deepen your experience of this season. The first is the Roadmap for Rest and Regeneration for High Achievers. This is a totally free guidebook that accompanies this season that takes you from a customized journey from busy to balanced. It is deep and it is powerful and it is full of joy and practical insights. Give yourself the respect you deserve and go download it right now at carlyfane.com forward slash podcast. It will be a lamp and a ladder on your path to a more sustainable way of working and living, I promise. And second, we record the last episode of this season live on Sunday, January 22nd, 2023 at 11 a.m. Eastern. This is going to be one of our signature podcast pajama parties. This is where folks who listen in to Massive Magnificent from around the world get to come together. I get to be with you live in our sweatpants for a deeply restorative workshop with some of my favorite friends and thought leaders. This is also totally free. It's an opportunity for me to hear in real time what matters to you, to answer your questions and make sure you're getting the resources that you need. You can RSVP for that the same place, carlyfane.com forward slash podcast. I would love to gather with you live. Okay. If you've thought I haven't been candid enough, it's about to get even more so with Anita Martins. Get ready to hear us flip the tables and offer a new way of looking at you getting the resources you really need to thrive. Well, Carly, it's really nice to be on this side of the mic getting to interview you today. That's really exciting. And as you love to ask all your guests, I have to ask you, as it relates to rest, what in your head or your heart wants to be heard today? We must rest an unreasonable amount. We must rest more than we think we deserve. We must rest more than we think is allowed. We must rest more than what we've had modeled for us, which is likely no rest at all anyway. That's what comes up for me when I think about rest and thinking about for high achievers, driven folks, motivated people. I think our bar for what the appropriate amount of rest is is broken or non-existent. And so any amount of rest can feel like we're expecting too much of ourselves. And so perhaps if it doesn't feel unreasonable, it's not enough, right? And just to give ourselves that permission and that room to rest as we see fit or explore how we might begin to rest a little more, you know, until we get to a more, a more nourished space. Ooh, Carly. Wow. So now I have to ask, Let's take a step back. I feel like rest is not a topic that is widely discussed at my age or across the board at anyone's age. Why rest this season? Why was this why is this so important for us to talk about here in January as we go into this next year? I think it's fascinating or interesting at the least that January is considered the time of year when we're supposed to go all in. And for all of our listeners who are in the Southern Hemisphere and it's warm in January, that makes a little more sense. I live in the Northern Hemisphere and it is dark and it is cold in January. And the last thing that feels natural to me is to go all in, like with gusto. Most of us, after we get through a holiday season, whether we celebrate the holidays or not, we're just part of a cultural sweep of holidays that start happening in September, October, November, December. We need a moment to catch our breath. And I think about how all of nature has these cycles. It has these rhythms. And rest is key to generating new ideas, 
new projects, our best work, to making sure things are sustainable. And so, you know, when you and I need to, we're brainstorming, okay, you know, what topics comes up a lot in our coaching practice? What do we speak about a lot in the Boundary Academy? This concept of rest and making sure that we have moments to process and culminate and digest is essential for anybody who's in a leadership capacity or else we stop leading. If we don't get to pause and rest, we default to doing whatever the norm is around us. And we need that time to question what makes sense. What do I know? What do I want to experience next? What do I believe in? What do I want to champion? So I don't think we get to do our best thinking, our best living, our best working in this calendar rhythm that we have somehow, a lot of us universally adopted. And so building in when the days are shorter or darker, moments of respite is key. I love how you just said moments of respite, but also moments to question. I don't feel like I take enough time to question what it is that I want next because I am always going all the time. I don't build in that time to rest, which allows me to question, what is it that I really want? What is it that's right for me now? What is it that's true now that may not have been true in the past? So what a revolutionary idea. Yeah. This whole daring to pause thing, like what a revolutionary idea. And I've got Barbara Hurd's book, Stirring the Mud, out in front of me because just today in the Boundary Academy, we quoted her work and Barbara was kind enough to give us permission to quote her work on this season of the podcast. And let's see if I can find this. She said, there was something quite magical to me about all this, the notion that you could change the ground you stood on by erasing some lines. Years later, when I was first reading Lauren Isley's work, I happened across this statement. One exists in a universe convincingly real, where the lines are sharply drawn in black and white. It is only later, if at all, that one realizes the lines were never there in the first place. I love that because to me, this idea of going, 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 going is an imaginary line. Like it's something that we have been culturally bred and brought up in. We have absorbed it like osmosis. It's in the air. It's in the water. It's in the messaging we get. And so to go, wait a minute, maybe I don't have to go at this pace all the time. Does this holiday make sense for me? Does the way I'm practicing it make sense, you know, for where my family is in this moment or where my community is in this moment? Like as one woman on the Council of Boundary Makers said today, she said, sometimes we've got to hopscotch over those lines. Like, when we get to rest, we see the lines. We don't notice them until we like get to lean back. Sometimes we got to hop. And I love that playfulness of like, you don't have to just go around it. You don't have to climb over it. Sometimes we got to hopscotch. We got to saunter. We got to lay on down on the line, you know, and say, hold on. I want something else here. What have I adopted that was never mine? What, what belief am I carrying around how much rest is allowed or what pace I'm going at? Is that the pace I am choosing? What purview do I have over this pace? Where do I have influence over the speed at which I'd like to move through my days? So I encourage everyone listening to this episode to take one of those questions Carly just asked and write it on a sticky note. Have it somewhere where you can see it. Have it on a mirror. Have it somewhere because what would your world look like if you could just ask yourself, what pace do I want to be going? Or what pace is right for me now in this moment? Yeah, I'm curious. I want to hear, I want to hear that. Like, I'm curious to hear from everybody. Like, what pace makes sense now? Yeah, take a photo of your sticky note and tag us on Instagram 
and share it with us. We would absolutely love to see and celebrate this new pace as we start the new year. Well said, Anissa. You're so smart with the social media. Like, yeah, that's a great way. (laughs) We can see what people are up to. You're so smart. Yes. So Carly, let's look at this practically. How does the practice of rest show up in everybody thrive and in the Boundary Academy and the work you do every day. I believe you sent an email last week that ruffled some feathers. Can you tell us a little bit more about what happened? I love talking about this kind of thing. I think it goes back to what you were just bringing up, Anitza, around asking questions. Like if we rest a little bit, we might have the space to ask some questions. And what had come up for me was in the Boundary Academy, somebody had shared recently that she learned from an early age, in her case, in her place of worship, that she needed to go, go, go. That like t- to be productive was to be holy. And that she absorbed this, this notion of don't ask questions, just do. It got me thinking about something I hadn't thought about in a lot of years, which is that the first F I ever got in high school was in Bible class. And it was because I, quote, asked too many questions. That's what I was told. And at the time, I remember thinking, okay, asking questions isn't good. Right? I have to be careful. I have to be strategic about the way I ask questions. And and so I sent an email out about that. And I asked people to dare to get an F in self-sacrifice, like get an F in self-sacrifice. What would that mean if today in some way you didn't exhaust yourself in the process of meeting some objective and, and, and meeting some goal? Not everybody liked that message, right? What I was asking people to do was to question any teacher or choice or leader or podcast host for that matter that puts your care at the back of the line. And if we can be really candid here, which I know we can, the folks who didn't like that message hopped off my email list like it had bed bugs. Like they were out, they bounced. One person for the first time ever flagged a message from us as spam with that email. And we don't do spam. So that was notable to me. And so I went back and I reread the email and I realized two things. Number one, I definitely meant what I wrote. For better or worse, I meant what I said. The second thing I noticed was that there was some typos in there, for sure. I make typos. And I actually got a little bit excited about that because here's what also happened. A handful of folks hit reply and they told me how much they needed to hear that message, specifically the, hey, what if we get an F in self-sacrifice? What would that mean? And so we've been in these touch for these really sweet conversations. But the other thing that was exciting to me about that email was that I spent 30 minutes writing it and I hit send. And that's huge. Because I used to hem and haw for days or weeks, even months over how to craft the right email message because I didn't want to offend anybody because I wanted everyone to like it because I wanted to make sure it was quote perfect. And I'm not doing that as much anymore. And it's because I'm learning through this work of resting and being more present, the difference between good work and overworking and the difference between getting something meaningful out in the world and pushing the needle a little bit farther in the conversation versus stressing myself out, trying to please everyone and not moving the needle at all. And I know, Anita, you and I talked about before that this locus of what's enough or what's good enough, it resides squarely in our own choosing. As in we pick, we decide what enough is, right? And if we don't decide what enough is, we've got other podcast episodes where I've explained from my own experience and from a lot of my clients that we don't ever get, quote, there. We don't get to the end game. Because even if we did, we wouldn't know that we did. We're always moving the bar, us high achievers. Once we're close to the goal, we're pushing the, you know, the goal mark out a little bit. And so I think it's really important for us to get to consider, okay, what is the difference between good work and overworking? 
Like, how do I discern within myself what enough is? And some signs I know when I'm overworking, it's I'm resenting the people or the projects that I normally love. I haven't had a sense of joy. I haven't giggled, laughed, danced, played in a day, a week, a month. I'm tired, but my brain is wired. It's going a million miles a minute. Or I haven't peed, even though I have to pee. Like I'm still trying to send emails. And this one's funny because it comes up for so many of the women we work with. They're like, yeah, I just try to get a few more emails or get one more load of laundry in, or I'm just going to call so-and-so back and then I'm going to do that. Those are signs we're overworking. Like that's how we know the difference. This isn't good work. This is overworking. And so just starting to recalibrate for ourselves, what is enough? Is what I've done enough here? And then trusting yourself a little bit. And so if it feels like too much, maybe it is too much. So maybe we leave a typo when you get that email out, like we just did the other day. Was it written perfectly? No. Was the message sound? Yes. Maybe we skip the extra slide in the presentation deck. Maybe we don't go to that special event if you're dreading it. Maybe I don't do the laundry today. I just let it build up a little longer and I do one larger load next week. But there's something I really want to point out here, Anitza, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. All of these things where we don't overdo it for high achievers, if we lean back, we let the typo be in there, we don't do the laundry today, we tell folks we're not going to the special event, they will feel excruciating in the beginning. We will feel fear and panic, like bubble up. We will be terrified about how people see us. We'll wonder, are we going to look lazy? Am I going to look like I'm not committed? Like I don't care enough? Like I'm selfish? Am I slipping here? If I sit down, am I ever going to get back up again, right? What I would love us to do is to take those fears, those wonders, like that worrying that comes up when we dare to work at a sustainable pace and bring them to a therapist or a mentor or a qualified best friend where they can be resolved, but not let those fears run our calendar. And I think that's what accidentally happens is those fears, if I don't want to look selfish, I don't want to look like I'm a jerk, I don't want to look like I'm doing too much, they show up in our calendar. They show up in the choices we make about where we're going to be, who we're going to work with, who we're going to spend time with in our free time. And I would love for us to determine from within what it is enough. Because here's the thing that women who thrive know. They understand that we will miss some deadlines in order to be with the living. Like in order to be with what gives us life, we will have to miss some things that are deadlines or deadening. And that takes courage in the beginning. And so I'm so curious for you, what your experience is with that. Because I know you've done things in the last couple of years where you've you've said, okay, enough. I'm drawing a line here. Well, I think about first that subject line of like, if I got an F in self-sacrifice, I think I would have deleted your email. Two years ago, I would have seen the email in the inbox and been like, what do you know about self-sacrifice in my world? Like, how could you possibly know anything about that? And I think about that version of me, how I self-sacrificed for the perceived notion of someone else's fill in the blank, someone else's joy, someone else's time. My self-sacrifice was my identity because it was the only way I thought I my existence was valued in the world. So when you ask a question like this to someone who hasn't gone over that hump yet, it's scary. It's terrifying. Who am I if I'm not self-sacrificing? Who am I if I'm not a martyr? Whoa. And as I've gotten over this hump these last two years, I'm so much more. There's so much more over the hump of 
self-sacrifice than I ever thought. Oh, will you tell me more? I know I'm, I know I'm accidentally flipping the tables here and I don't mean to, but like, tell me about the more. Like, what do you know about yourself now? Okay, you're a hard worker. Got it. Noted. But like, now what else do you know? I know that I'm funny. I know that I am caring. I know that I'm strong and that my voice matters. I know that my value doesn't come from what I can do from others. My value doesn't come from my sacrifice, that I am enough as I sit here just talking into this mic with you. Knowing all of that might be silly to someone else or intuitive to someone else. But for me, it's allowed me to flourish in areas of my life and in my relationships and within my career than ever before. Because I had, like you were saying, time to question, space to ask myself. And all of this is known from like the work you do by being a part of the work that you do. And without it... I'm not Anitza. <sighs> there it is. You know, I think it's so easy, Anitza. Everything you just said is so powerful. And it's so easy to just default to how will other people perceive me if I don't, or if I take a rest, or if I take a break. And you're pointing out what happens on the other side. Like, yeah, there might be a cost. Somebody might be disappointed, or something might not go the way we planned. But there's there's this reward, too. You know, and to hear that, like to hear all the worries, oh my gosh, what if I do this and everyone's angry or they're upset or I look selfish or if I, what if I sit down on the sofa and I never want to get up again? Okay, cool. We hear those. And what else could be true here too? Is it possible that if I rest, things would work out? Is it possible that if I don't do the laundry, that somebody else might pick it up and do it if I ask them to? What is possible here? My experience of rest is that it opens the door to possibility. That when we have had time to collect ourselves, our wits and our wisdom, we see opportunities that we don't see when we're fatigued and tired. And so we get to see opportunities and see more of ourselves. And to hear you say like, I know that I am funny, you know, and that my voice matters and that I am strong. Like, I wish that was something that I learned when I was in my 20s. There was a post recently on social media, somebody will have to look up and give credit in the show notes, but somebody posted, I don't think I ever saw a rested woman when I was growing up. I don't think I ever saw that. And I don't think that that's uncommon. And so what you're talking about, like you call it getting over the hump, it is like we're, we're climbing a new mountain here. This is something you might've never seen modeled. You might be, if you're listening right now, the first person in your work circle, your friend circle, your family circle to consider what it means to reclaim your life and your time and your days. And so for things to bubble up that feel scary would be normal because it's a change. And what is it that I need in order to explore this thing? Like, could I open the door to possibility that it might be okay or it might be different and even better? What could that look like? I think about something that I believe you've said to me before, but it's like, I need to rest is important how busy I am does not dictate my value in this world. And I think that is probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned to date because being in corporate America teaches me that like, if I'm not working until 7 p.m., I'm not doing it right. Or I think about some of my friends who are moms who are like, well, if I'm not exhausted taking care of someone else, I'm not doing it right. But that's like not the case. And how can you expect to 
fully take care of someone else if you don't take care of yourself first. If you don't build in that space for yourself to rest. This episode is brought to you by the Boundary Academy. This is, of course, I've had the honor to found and lead for years with a diverse council of boundary makers. So if you're tired of being tired and you're ready for more time, clarity, and joy, I hope you'll check it out at carlyfane.com. For the first time ever, you don't have to wait for enrollment. You can begin in the Boundary Academy right now and go at your own pace starting today. I hope you don't wait another moment to join women around the world and reclaim your best work, living, health, and relationships too. You're illuminating the generosity in taking time for self. When we're more rested and we can be more patient, when I don't snap in the grocery line or kind of like cut somebody off when I'm driving in my car, you know, because I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm not, I'm not feeling panicked or I've left myself enough time to get from point A to point B. Those are small examples, right? But they're meaningful. And I think that they show up in even bigger ways in our relationships. What if we don't snap at our loved ones when we come home? What if we don't feel resentful of the people we care about? What would it look like if somebody called and they wanted to have lunch with us with short notice and we weren't annoyed, we were available? What would that be like? So Carly, you also work with some very high achieving clients, people who have full lives, they run companies, they run their household, sports teams, music labels, places of workshop, higher education departments. How do you teach them to find time to rest? Mm. Okay, this is the practical, the pragmatic, right? Let's talk about time for a moment here. Time is not as linear and finite as we might think it is at first glance. We can be alchemists with time. We can be magicians with time. We can create more time. And, and here's what I mean by that. The Greeks had two words for time, right? Kronos and Kairos. They looked at time in two different ways. Kronos, like chronological. So one event after another. It's one o'clock, it's two o'clock, it's three o'clock. And that's how we schedule our days, right? Chronologically, three o'clock means the same to all of us universally. If we say we're going to be there at three, we get it. But the other sense of time is Kairos. And Kairos is really a sense of timelessness. Kairos is when our sense of time expands or contracts. So we've all had moments of Kairos. It could look like um, having dinner with your best friends, and it's like time flies. You feel like they just walked in the door, and now it's three hours later. Like, where did the time go? Or time can slow down. Oftentimes, time slows down in moments of emergencies. So, you know, going in a car accident, it's like we see every detail. Time slowed in that moment. Time also slows when we feel present. We, when we feel like we're right in the middle, we're not thinking about the past, we're not thinking about the future. Maybe I find time is slower in moments where there's beauty. Like I, when I see the steam coming out of my mug and boom, I'm just there. I'm just watching the steam come out of my mug of tea for a moment. And so the, the first thing we want to do is we want to remember that we are not in the back seat of some time bus and we're just getting tossed around by some imaginary driver that we can step into the front seat and we can begin to play with time a little bit. And so feeling like I don't have enough time does not necessarily mean I don't have enough time. And I want to say that again, like feeling like we don't have enough time does not actually mean that we don't have enough time. Feeling like we don't have enough time is the invitation to reprioritize. That's it. That's what it is. And I have this thing. It just keeps bugging me. I'm just going to just have like a confessional moment with you here. I was talking with a friend of a friend the other day. I ran into them at a coffee shop 
she's telling me that all the things she's got on her plate and she's always got all these things on her plate, but she doesn't have children and she works for herself. And so she's got some purview over where she spends her time. And she said, Carly, like, I just need 28 hours in a day, right? If we all had 28 hours in a day, everything would be better. And I, and I, I'm in a coffee shop. I don't feel like getting into it. I just kind of smile, get my coffee. It's good to see you. You know, see you around town and I wave and we say nice to these and we go. But I'm thinking if she had 28 hours, she would have filled them too. Like Lord knows I would have. If I had 35 hours in a day, I would have filled them too. So it's not about needing more time. It's about prioritizing the moments that we do get and remembering what it is that we value. And so that's the first step when I work with people. It's not about like carving out giant chunks of time when you're a mom and a spouse and a friend and a volunteer and you're running your own company. It's about starting with these pockets, these tiny pockets, pockets that might look like three deep breaths, you know, while your coffee's brewing. Or it might look like when the Zoom is having tech issues, like that's the moment where you get comfortable in your seat for a second right? Or it might look like when you're at a red light or you're on the subway and things are delayed, like this is the moment where we we check back in with our breath, right? And we focus on what we care about. We focus on beauty. And we start to notice that our brain slows. It thinks differently. We begin to spot what it is we care about and what it is that's getting in the way of what we care about. And then we just start to make decisions about, okay, if I say I believe in, for example, being present with my kids and not thinking about work all the time, what decisions do I need to make to support my ability to be present so that I'm not thinking about work? Because it doesn't happen by magic. It happens by method. And so it's starting to just get a little bit thoughtful there. Does that answer the question at all, Anitza? Yes, Carly, that absolutely answered my question. So let's now make it, let's take it practically. Let's make it tactical. Can you give me some examples about how you structure spaciousness into your work schedules and the way we run Everybody Thrive? Ooh, yeah. That's, this is the fun stuff. So one big thing that we do that is certainly key to the way we run this business is the last week of every month is a culmination week. And that's a week where most of the time it's time to go inward. So I don't do a lot of speaking events. I don't do a lot of big public teaching. We don't schedule a lot of meetings. That week is the time where we go a little slower. We go inward. We wrap up loose ends on the work we've been doing before. And then we start to prep and plan for what's coming next, but through a new, more nourished lens. So we're still working, but we're not working in external output during culmination week. When I think about it, we've been doing that as a practice for, I don't know, six years. That's 12 weeks out of the year where we're not pushing for external output. That's huge. That's three months out of the year that we as a company are getting to recalibrate. So that's that's one of the big ways we do it. And the other one is to be honest about our capacity. So like my capacity, for example, if I do a big speaking event, I need time the next day to regroup. I know that about myself. And so some of it is just being honest with myself and just learning, great, big speaking event on Tuesday, Wednesday morning has got to be a light day. It's got to be a different type of work. If it can't be no work at all, that's all right. But it's got to be work that I enjoy, that's easier, that flows, right? It's not going to be another dig in or day that takes a lot of energy. So it's also just getting honest with myself about my natural rhythms, my natural flows, and what we have capacity for. Anitza, you were instrumental in that process for this season of the podcast, because we'd originally planned on launching a season way earlier doing this 12th season way back in the fall. And, and now we're bringing it out in January. 
And you were instrumental in, in that decision to say, hey, like, what if we don't push so hard? What made you spot? Because I think that's a great example of we weren't planning on having more rest. We just noticed we needed it. What did you spot that made you go, hold on, we need to do this differently? I noticed how we were trying to force everything. We were trying to reshuffle calendar days. We were trying to cancel vacations. We were trying to squeeze in a topic like rest into a week. And in doing so, that just sounded counterintuitive to me. And I just was like, Carly, we have so much going on right now. We're launching a new session of the Boundary Academy. We are, we're getting ready for the holidays. We're doing eight other things right now. And yes, this is something we really want to do, but what if we just pushed it out? What would that look like? What would that mean for our business? What would that mean for your sanity? And I think by asking that, we have created an absolute wonderful season this January. There it is. It comes back to the questions. I mean, you were asking those questions. It's like, we didn't have the answers. I don't feel like I have all the answers by any stretch of the imagination, but it's like, can we ask the questions and see what bubbles up? Okay, this is feeling crunched. This is feeling forced. I'm noticing we're trying to squeeze things in here. How could I make this spacious? Is it possible to make this spacious? Is it possible to give this thing I care about the, the respect, the time that it deserves, both the project and this thing I care about, meaning myself also, like ourselves? How do I hold myself and my work in positive regard at the same time? What would be required to do that? And so, I don't know, I think there's a theme in today's conversation about asking the questions, sitting with the questions, and then just seeing what bubbles up. You know, what bubbled up was like, okay, well, what would happen if we moved it? What are the pros and cons? You and I had a few meetings about like, okay, what would happen if we move this? What are we going to miss out on? We're not going to get to promote the next class of the Boundary Academy. That's a bummer. What would we gain? We would gain different guests. You know, we would gain richer time to work on the workbook that goes along with this season. We would gain the vacations we all wanted to be having in August. That's what we would gain. Those questions, Anitza, powerful, really powerful. And resting allows us to get have the space to ask them. It is. And it's like not a ton of space, right? Just a little space. Just need a little space to ask a question. Give ourselves permission to ask a question. And then ponder the answers that bubble up, especially if they feel impossible. The question bubbles up. Well, okay, what would it mean if we change this? And at first, we're like, we can't reschedule this whole season. We're all counting on it. Lots of people are counting on it. It takes eight people to make every episode of this podcast. So... What could that look like? Like what would happen? We, we like to just go underneath it a little bit. To ask the question and then ask the question underneath the question and the question underneath that until we get to why are we really doing this? What is it that we believe in? If we're pushing for something only because we don't want to disappoint anyone, is there a way to minimize disappointment and do it in a healthier way? Let's find out. All right, let's find out. And you got us there. <laughs> What's one question you would love to ask me? In January of last year, so a full year ago, we set a project plan of what we wanted to accomplish this year, some of which we have, some of which we haven't. And the year has looked totally different than we thought it was going to, like wildly different. We created less podcast seasons this year than we wanted. We thought we were going to. We went through an entire rebranding this year that looked different than 
We thought it was going to the Boundary Academy. We had planned on having four classes this year, one a quarter, and we only had one this year. So it looks different. And yet, in my eyes, your business is thriving more than ever, and you are thriving more than ever. How would you say, one, how does that feel? And two, what are your thoughts? Ooh, what a good, especially when you frame it that way. That's now I'm, my little wheels in my head are turning here. You know what my first thought is, is when we want to do more, we have to also do less. And I think that's what you're reflecting on is we knew that we wanted to grow deeper roots with our community. We knew that we wanted to create an evergreen version of the Boundary Academy so more women could ask for it. We also knew that COVID was altering the landscape again, and it was time to go back out into the world to teach in public, which we hadn't done in person in a few years. And so if we were going to meet that moment, we were also going to have to do less. And so it was this, this like, yeah, these were our best laid plans. And then the globe continues to shift. And so then we had to say, how do we stay true to our values? Like where our priorities, our mission, which was to grow deeper roots, increase our audience, to be in person with people again, to feel nourished again after working really hard during COVID to, to offer a lot of support. And that meant having to say, oh, these things I planned, they made sense in January. But by as soon as April, we were getting a sense of like, oh no, <laughs> things are going to shift now. I was deeply craving joy. Like I did tons of grieving during COVID, you know? And it was like, I need joy in this moment. Like we gotta, we've got to figure out what that looks like, you know, what bolsters all of us. And so the landscape changed and we continued to live into the values that we had. And it turns out the business still does really well when we do that. Thank you for pointing that out. I think it's really important that it may look different than we planned. It may also be more beautiful than we expected. Wow. Yeah, it was a good year. It's a great year. And now I'm so excited to be resting. Exactly. <laughs> I'm really excited to be resting. Yeah. I love taking a second to celebrate that. Well, Carly, do you want to do messy and magnificent two-way Q&A? Heck yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. You want to do it together? We'll both do it. Oh, sure. So if you came with a warning label, what would it say? Increasingly unapologetic. I am increasingly unapologetic. I could expound on that for a whole other episode, but I'm not because that would almost be an apology. <laughs> <laughs> I'm increasingly unapologetic. Yeah, that's my warning label. Uh-huh. <laughs> what about you? What's your warning label today? Warning may get emotional. Hmm. Warning, make it emotional. I love that. Yeah. I also love how emotional you are. <laughs> One of my favorite things about you. There will be passion in the room where there is a Nietzsche. There is passion and there is zest and there is life and there is response in real time to what is happening. And that's the kind of person I want to be around. Yeah. Well, big, big heart on my sleeve. Big, uh, lots of tears always. Okay. Number two. Based on today's conversation, what would you like to ask a person listening right now? Okay. That big worry you have about what'll happen if you rest. What else might be true there too? Get your sticky note out. (laughs) There we go. And share it with us. I love that. What else might be true? What about you, Anitza? What's your question for those listening? 
I think about those who feel like they don't have time to rest. Like they are so tired that they don't have time to rest because they feel like resting would be more work than it actually is. So the question I want to ask is, so what? What if resting is more work than you think it is? What if you need it? So what? What if, what if that's the right thing to do anyway? What if you allowed yourself to have it? What if you allowed yourself to have it? Mm. What would happen if you allowed yourself to have it? Yeah. Oh, you're so wise. So wise. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Last question. Even if other people disagree, what is one thing you know to be true? I know that the whole world won't fall apart when you rest. I know that some things will fall apart when you rest. I know that the things that do fall apart were the things that were built upon your self-sacrifice. And it's okay for them to burn. It's okay for them to burn. It'll be hot. And it's okay for them to burn. Yeah. Mm. Anitza, what is one thing that even if other people disagree, you know to be true? You know, I just turned 27 and I recently wrote 27 things I've learned in my 27 years of living. And so my favorite one that I think is pretty controversial or not a lot of people agree with is that healing is not becoming the best version of yourself. I think we live in a society today where everyone is like, grow the best version of myself. Uh, as Me sitting here is not enough, but there's always something for me to work on. It's always just out of grasp. And I think that what healing actually is, is just letting the worst version of yourself be loved. Healing is saying that every version of myself deserves love, tenderness, and grace. And I think if we can do that, we'll all be okay. All right. Now I'm crying. (laughs) You're supposed to be the emotive one. (laughs) Healing is knowing that the worst version of myself deserves to be loved. All the parts of myself deserve to be loved. The part of me that needs to rest more than I think I should deserves to be loved. All of it. Oh my gosh. I am so grateful for you. Thank you for binding us to what we value and making sure that we as a company of a bunch of high achievers continue to build in these pockets for conversation and question and wondering. I appreciate you so much. Well, and thank you for modeling and showing us what rest can look like for high achieving women and women all over the world. Thank you for focusing and honing in on topics such as this one, because we need more of this and we need more Carly fame in the world. (laughs) Well, (laughs) for better or worse, you know, a little bit more of the candid behind the scenes conversations that Anitz and I have when we're talking about the sustainable systems that allow our high achieving clients to thrive. You might have noticed there's some messy and there's certainly some magnificent in there. And can you believe she's only 27? Like, no way. This woman is wise and brilliant, and I am fortunate to have Anita walking this path with me. So tell me, that big worry you have about what will happen when you rest, what else might be true there too? I know you hear the fears, but what about the possibility of good? 
What good could be waiting for you on the other side of being a tad more nourished? I hope you share the answer with me via a review on iTunes so I can give you a shout out on an upcoming episode or email Anita directly at A-N-I-T-Z-A at everybodythrive.com. We would love to hear your feedback and give you a shout out. And know that Anitza has her own podcast. It's called Known in New York. Every episode is a love letter to a unique person that she has on the show. It is soul filling. I'll put links for how to connect with Anitza in the show notes right here too. And remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value and get an F in self-sacrifice as much as you want this week. And I'll see you next week when we sit down with Tanika Ray. She's a pop culture and lifestyle specialist with a holistic view of the cross-sections of culture and community. And self-care is actually how you create community care. I am so thankful that you are part of this messy and certainly magnificent community. Each episode here is only the beginning of our lifelong conversation together. Head on over to carlyfane.com for the full show notes from this episode and some extra special resources for high achievers that you won't find anywhere else.